What's up, everybody? Comedian Vaughn Michael here with What's the Lesson Podcast, a podcast where I interview different people about experiences and stories they went through, and we try to figure out the lessons that they learned. Um, before I get into today's episode, I do want to let everyone know that I am selling the Betting on Myself shirt at VaughnMichael.com. The Betting on Myself shirt. So make sure you get that. Visit VaughnMichael.com and bet on yourself. Um, I'm really excited about today's episode. Today's guest name is Patrick Garrity. We're going to be talking about how he became a stand-up comedian and how he decided to give up his home and tour the world out of his car. And he's been doing that for over the last 10 years. So sit back, y'all, relax, and enjoy this episode. Patrick Comedy is fresh and original. Through characters, impressions, and real-life situations, Patrick tells energized stories about being in the military, growing up a younger brother, and why Irish don't trash talk. Patrick is a hilarious comedian with versatility and depth. Patrick Garrity has been seen on NBC. His cutting-edge comedy and impressions combined with a great sense of timing and wit make Patrick a must-see comedian. His show is intensely funny. Patrick has appeared on NBC and CBS night school ladies and gentlemen welcome patrick garrity to the podcast now um how long have you been doing stand-up comedy uh, i'm on my 19th year uh next year will be 20 years for okay. me um and when you know can you tell us about the first time you ever tried and when what made you try stand-up man uh so my my parents got divorced when I was like six and my older brother and my dad were always really into stand-up comedy. And, you know, so I, I'd always hang out and uh, I watch all sorts of comedy. I watched George Carlin, Richard Pryor. I saw Eddie Murphy raw by the time I was nine. And, you know, my brother just, you know, that, that's one of the ways I would bond with my brother and my dad is we constantly watch stand-up. You know, even when I was a kid, like the stuff that would come on TV, like comic strip, I was always interested in it or, you know, I'd watch premium blend on comedy central. I just, I was just always something I was really fascinated by. And even when I was, uh, I remember being um, 12 years old and I had to do a book report on a deceased American. You know, I was, that was the project. Like everybody else was doing like JFK, Martin Luther King, you know, stuff like that. So I chose Sam Kennison, you know, like he had just passed away the year before we had to bring in an audio visual aid to like go along with the book report. So I brought in his album live from hell and played it for a bunch of 12 year olds for about 90 seconds before the teacher was like, Oh God, my job. And, um, but that's just the way it was like my dad, you know, even in middle school, like, you know, all my friends were listening to the music and then like, you know, they were listening to Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots. Like for me, it was just, non-stop comedy albums like every, every everything like stand up to the jerky boys to adam sandler's you know audio sketch albums you know i was listening to you know like i said sam kennis sam kennison dennis leary richard pryor eddie murphy love george carlin you know so i was just i was just really into it like even but even at that age you know I, like not only was i fascinated by stand-up comedy but I was, I respected it so much. Like I, I never, I, I never really thought I'd be able to do it. You know, mm -hmm. I was just, you know, me saying, well, I'm going to be a stand-up comic. Might as well, I mean, you might as well be like, oh, I'm going to be an astronaut. It just sounds like, you know, not everybody gets to walk on the moon. You know right. what I'm saying? So, uh, and then as I got older, 
Like I dropped out of high school. I went to like four different high schools. And by that time it was like, it was a serious itch. I was like, man, you know, like I, 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 in my mindset was, okay, I'm going to, let me just try it and suck at it and fail. At least that way I can say I tried, you know, I just don't want to be 75 years old, go, what if, mm-hmm. like, if I'm going to have a job where I'm going to wear a name tag the rest of my life, you know, at least I can look back and, well, you know, I gave it a shot, you know, but uh, yeah, my, my very first experience on stage, like I was so nervous and um, I wasn't even expecting to go on stage. I just went to the open mic, you know, I just wanted to check it out. So I got there super early. It didn't even start till nine. I got there like seven thirty. I got there like an hour and a half before, and it was uh, the open mic was at uh, this Holiday Inn. It was this place called the Why Not Lounge. It was located inside the Holiday Inn, and uh, they would they would they would do actual. It was an actual comedy club on the weekends, like Friday and Saturday. But each Tuesday was the open mic night. And back when I started, that was it. It was just that one open mic on Tuesday, and I fucking lived for Tuesdays, you know. Like now there's, you go to, you know, any other city's got an open mic every night of the week, you know, like the way stand-up is. But uh, so I got there early and then there was these guys that were staying at the hotel and then they just came down just to check out the open mic and they started asking if I was going to go on stage or whatever. And I was like, nah, I'm just here to check it out. You know, and I was bullshitting with them doing a couple impressions and they were like, oh, you're funny, man. You should get up there. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just here to observe. So the first comic gets up on stage and I'll never forget this. The first guy I ever saw do live stand up, and his name was Al Torino. Uh, he looked like a Mario brother on crack. He had like fucking mustache, missing teeth. And he hit the first joke he told. He goes, yeah, my name's Al Torino. Torino like the car. And when my daughter has a baby, I'll be a grand Torino. And it was just like dead silence. And then fucking the two guys I was sitting with, like, you're funnier than this guy. They started heckling him. They started heckling this dude. And then they, they start heckling the next comic. And then I'm like slumping in my chair. I'm like, you guys need to shut the fuck up. And then finally the host of the show goes, what are you, what, what, what's your deal? And then the one guy goes, these guys suck. And then he points to me and he goes, put this guy on stage. He's way better than anybody we've seen so far. And I just like, I just wanted to die. I was like, please shut the fuck up. You know, and then, and then the host of the show goes, oh, oh, you want this guy to come up stage? He says, why don't you come up here, you little yeah. pussy? Why don't you bring the faggot on? He me a pussy and a faggot. Like my first, like I'm getting called out. And I, and I stood up like, yo, I'm not with them. Like I just came here to watch a show. And the guy in the host didn't believe me. He goes, yeah, right. And then thank God the waitress remembered me. She goes, no, he's been here since like 730. You know, he's not with them. And then, so she stuck up for me. And then, then the host felt bad. And then I moved across the room to another table. And he was like, you know, he, he offered to buy me a beer or whatever. And he was like, uh, hey, man, you know, do you, uh, do you want to go on stage? He's like, I'll put you up. He's like, the first time is always the hardest. I was like, in my head, I'm like, God, no. But I just shook my head and I said, sure. You know, I was like, yeah, I just nodded. I was like, all right, I'll put you up next. And then uh, I went up there. I had nothing prepared. I just was like kind of fucking around. And, you know, I was so nervous. I didn't even stand up. I just sat down and uh, I can't even remember what I said, but I actually got some genuinely like honest laughs. I knew that they would like, I got the crowd to laugh and I was like completely unprepared and just bullshitting and, you know, whatever. And then I actually felt good about the experience. I was like, I actually... Actually, went, I actually did better than I thought I'd do. And, and I was like, man, maybe if I actually, you know, fucking try and write some stuff and, and get at it, maybe I, you know, maybe I'll be good. And I didn't actually really bomb until my seventh time on stage. And then I really ate shit. And then uh, I wanted to kill myself. And I had to wait the whole fucking week to get that taste out of my mouth. So 
you know, with that first set, that, that what you said on stage was this written material, or were you just freestyling? I had to say, I had just like a couple ideas, you know, it was just like, you know, like I said, you know, back then, like I was really doing impressions and stuff. So I did a couple impressions that got some good laughs. And then I was just, you know, I was just like fucking around, just like they weren't, they weren't even like, you know, I just had concept or concepts or premises that I was like fucking around with on stage. And, you know, I actually, you know, not everything would, you know, like I didn't, I didn't do great, but I didn't do bad. I didn't do as bad as I thought I was going to do. You know, I actually got them to laugh like that, like I, an actual genuine laugh like i could tell i was like oh i got him mm-hmm. you know and i was like this and if i like was like it was like a surge like i was like oh i want i want to do this again i want to like you know i want to experience this more and see like you know maybe maybe i can do this and then that like you know because who knows how long if those guys hadn't heckled everybody and like who knows how long i would have waited before i even tried to get on stage but i mean it was like trial by fire and i just went up and got on it and then uh and uh yeah so but yeah, I just never looked back, man. So as soon as soon as uh, it was probably like a couple months in, and then um, the the guy that booked the shows on the weekend took a look at me and wanted me to start hosting, and uh, and I was like I was doing really well. But then you know, um, some in my personal life, some stuff happened with my grandmother where uh, she uh, honestly my mother screwed over my grandmother and pretty much robbed her of her entire life savings and put my grandmother in a very horrible financial situation. So I ended up joining the reserves because, you know, I just started comedy. I'm not like, look, you know, comedy wasn't a career yet. It was just like, I didn't even know if I'd make it past just being a whole, like, you know, it was, I was being realistic and I was like, well, if I do need to go to college or something, you know, at least I'll have this. And um, they give you a signing bonus when you join, you know, the reserve. So that's what I was looking for. So I had, I was able to get my grandmother some money. So but then after I got out of the, you know, after I got back from basic training, so I was, you know, I had my one week in a month, two weeks a year, but I had all these great military jokes, mm. you know, and that was like great after 9-11 and, you know, and it was just like, you know, I, I, I immediately had all this new material. Then I, then I went from host to featuring almost immediately. And that gave me, that got me more stage well, you time. You at and, that point, like, you know, well, when you went from host to feature. Okay, so I was doing comedy about six mm-hmm. months. And then after about three months, I started hosting. So I was hosting for about three months. Then I went to basic training, which was like five months, you know? And then, I, and then after I got back from basic training, I think I was like, I think I was back in town for like a month. And then I, I, I got put to feature. So I was like less than and, a year. Um, for people that, that don't know much about the comedy standards feature, that's what, about 20 to 30 minutes? Yeah, it's 25 to 30 minutes um, uh, is, is the feature spot. So it's just like, it's a sweet spot, you know, because you get to cherry pick your best material and, you know, you got like, you don't have to deal, you know, the host already warms them up and you don't got to deal with the check drop. And, you know, you don't have to keep everybody's attention for as, for as long as it was, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I was just, I was really lucky. Like, I, like, you know, I got good quick, but it also, like, being good, you know, it's like that catch-22. Like, I also got more stage time, and that more stage time made me even better. So I got, like, you know, that, that, that half hour, getting a half hour that quick at, like, different clubs and shit. Like, I moved up the ladder pretty quick, you know, and I was – uh I was pretty lucky because, you know, I also started back in the day before social media was a thing. It was like, all you had to do was be funny. You know, that's when I started. 
So like I'm that's 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 my weak spot because I'm not I'm not good at social media. I'm not I'm not a big selfie guy, you know. <clears throat> so um you 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 back in you know you backed on you got promoted to feature um now you know so at this point you featuring or did you have a job you know how how are you bringing income oh yeah so uh see I'm after I get out of the military I'm 21 and then uh so I'm featuring at the age of 21 I'm also doing like loss prevention at a Win Dixie and I have my my one week a month for the reserves and then I have my two weeks a year thing and then I have comedy so like I was technically doing three jobs you know I have I have a comedy that I would you know work out do you know on the weekends and then except for the one week one week in a month I do my my drill for the military and then um but yeah so I uh yeah so I was just you know pretty much juggling all that at once and then I had my regular job all the way up until I was about, I want to say 24 or 25. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like I was even, even the, even the last year of my regular job, I was barely working there anyway. And my buddy was like my boss. So he would just let me work the, like I had a, I had a, I was really lucky in that too, that my, my buddy would just let me he, go on the road for however long I wanted. And then he'd put me right back on the schedule like when I got back, you know, he was just like, he was, he's like one of my best mm-hmm. friends, you know? So he was, he, he really worked with it. He was like encouraging. He thought it was awesome that I was doing stand up and, you know, if I can, you know, would do anything to help me. Like we're still great friends. You know, I love that guy. So yeah. Then after I turned about when, once I was like 25, it was nothing but comedy. That's how I made my living. Okay. And you were able to just support yourself straight off of comedy. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, you know, like it was, you know, like I would, uh, I would go work the road and then my grandmother had a place in Orlando. So I would come back to Florida and stay with her and give her as much money as I could to help out. And, you know, like she, she was, uh, she was a huge reason why I was able to do what I was able to do, you know, like she supported me and like, you know, was like my biggest fan. So uh, I was, you know, I was just, I was really lucky in a lot of ways as far as like my regular job and my boss, um, my grandmother and uh, people vouching for me to get work. You know, mm-hmm. that was a huge thing. That's how you get a lot of work is that like other comics vouch for you. And I had that kind of attitude where like I had so much respect for comedy and comedians that even work the road. Like I was like a sponge, you know, like, you know, even the guys that were at the, at the open mics that I knew were pros. Like I, I had nothing but respect for them. And I think they picked up on that, you know, like when they, when they gave me advice, I listened and, you know, I was like, you know, really just in awe of them. I was like, man, you guys are awesome. Like, so they wanted to help me out. You know, I was like that kid that they were like, oh man, you know, fucking bright eyed kid, you know, they're, they're just like wanted to help me, you know? And I think that's a huge thing in this business is like your attitude, right. you know, there's, cause there's some, there's some people that just feel very entitled to, to you know like with, you know you see some guys that do open mics for like two months like when am I going to start getting paid <laughs> like with the deal, settle down tiger you know like fucking you know why why your main goal should be not being a disappointment to somebody's evening <laughs> you know like they don't know who the fuck you are they don't give a shit like and that's the thing is that even to this like after twenty years that's my goal like I want to make sure everybody has a good time you know like you know every comic has their own ego and like oh I crushed but like my, I, like, I love, 
that's one of my favorite things about stand-up comedy. As soon as you put that mic back in the stand, you know exactly how well you did. And you, you know, people coming up and shaking your hand and like, like genuinely smiling and, you know, laughing, like you can hear them kind of repeating your jokes a little bit or like, they, you know, cause they had, they, they, they didn't, they don't, they didn't come to see my show because I'm famous. They just came out cause they wanted to go out. You know, they wanted to see a show. I just happened to be on it. And then like, I superseded their expectations. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, they're not, you know, they're like, Oh, I've never heard of this guy. And then, you know, they have an amazing time and they're, they're happy. They came out like even during my set, like every set I do, I always thank the audience, the audience for coming out. I'm like, you know, I'm not stupid. Like I know how this evening started. I know you guys are hanging out. Like, Oh, here's a comedy show. You want to go check it out? Sure. Who's going to be in there? Like, Fuck. I don't know. You know, you just want to go outside, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they get that. Like some of you guys had to get babysitters, which is the thing. Like somebody, I mean, you really think about like, even if the ticket is free, so you got to pay for parking. Sometimes you got a two drink minimum. You got to put on pants. You know, people like people don't realize like how comfortable your fucking house is now, right. like how hard it is to get people to come outside. you know, especially like, you know, I always tell people, I was like, some of you guys, this is your night out. Some of you had to get babysitters. I was like, you ever get a babysitter and then go see a shitty movie? You're like, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. you know, it's this it's shitty, you know, and like five years from now, it's like, hey, you want to go check out this comedy show? No, I'm going to hang back and fuck this robot. <laughs> like, it's hard to get people to come out of their houses. You know, you got flat screen TVs, your couch is comfortable. You don't have to worry about getting too drunk and getting a DUI on the way home or paying for an Uber or all this shit, you know, it's just like, and then, you know, also taking a chance on somebody you don't know. Cause I mean, like not everybody likes my, I've walked people, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, you know, part of me, I'm like, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm sorry they didn't have a good time, but you know, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm not for everybody, you know? So, um, you know, you started working the road and everything. Now, at this point, you know, did you, you know, have like a, a, a mentor or, you know, how did you figure out exactly how to maneuver? Because if someone just starts doing comedy, I would assume that, you know, you don't know necessarily the ropes. So, so how did you figure out exactly how to, you know, start getting work and stuff like that? And, and were you following someone else's blueprint? Yeah, I mean, I think it's different for everybody. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say I had a mentor. I, I would say I had mentors. There are several, like, other comics that are working, like, Reyes, who is, like, who's like a brother to me now, you know? It's just, like, I really was just, he, he you know, when people go, oh, who's your favorite comic? That was probably Ricky Reyes, man. That's some hysterical, you know? And, his, and uh, he helped me, and there's another guy at Florida, Dean Napolitano, was more of like a um he's, he's almost like a rat pack type comic you know he's just fucking does his crowd work is flawless you know he's you know, just everybody loves him great looking guy you know also a good actor you know so he gave me advice ricky gave me advice my buddy aaron gave me advice he's just you got to be open to it you know and then it's just uh like right now like putting together stuff you know you, you can't just be like, oh, waiting around for shit to happen. Like, if you want to get into a club, then work on getting into that club. You got to look at the roster, see if you know anybody that will vouch for you. And also, as a comic, you got to be worth vouching for. You know, like, if somebody vouches for you, that's a huge thing. You better go up there and kill it. They just put, they put their name out there for you, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and I established a reputation where, like, you know, people were like, oh, you got to see this guy, you know, like, like, you know, I'm hungry, you know, like I'm still hungry. Like I, I, uh, 
I like after almost 20 years, comedy is my favorite thing. You know, like I don't even look at it like I do comedy for a living. It's more like I live to do this. You know, this is where I like I feel like this is my purpose. You know, I, 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 I've never done anything that has made me feel this fulfilled or connect with people. And again, like I'm like I'm a high school dropout, you know, like this is absolutely the coolest thing I've ever, and this is the only thing I've, I felt like I've actually been truly great at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you said at one point you, you got to open up for a big name headline. Is that correct? I've opened up for a few of them. Yeah. Um, were yeah. you on the road, road with someone for a while? Well, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't say on the road with somebody for a while, but like Kevin Nealon, I worked with him before and he was just like such a genuinely nice guy and I opened for him and uh, he just, he just liked me immediately. And then he would like get me work on the road, but you know, he also had his own thing going like he was doing weeds at the time. So he would do weeds and then work the road a little bit. And he also had other features that he would bring with him. And um, you know, I was lucky enough to be one of the people that he would vouch for and get work for. And um, yeah, it was just uh you know, I was lucky with that. And there's been some other comics that, you know, have, um, have treated me well and, you know, got me work. Cause I, cause I'm also not like, you know, I'm not, I'm not up anybody's ass, you know, like if I work for somebody, I'm like, Hey, Patrick, I'm your fee. I try to stay out of the way as much as possible. You know, I don't want to be like, you know, anything like, you know, I don't want to be annoying. You know what I'm saying? Right. Open for Mitch Hedberg once right before he died. I was only supposed to do a guest set and, um, and, but his girlfriend at the time was his opener and um, she wasn't feeling well. So he goes, he, like, I'm in the green, with him, green room with him. And he's like, hey, man, you think you could do a half hour? And I was like, I'd already been featuring for, you know, I was cocky. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do a half hour. And to this day, it's still one of the best sets I've ever had in my life. Like the crowd was laughing. So his crowd was some of the best people. They were laughing so hard at my fucking very, you know, generic shit at the time that it threw off my timing. I was like, God, I'm not expecting him to laugh as hard. And then, you know, I had such a fucking great time. And then uh, that was a Thursday. So then I had to do my own shows Friday, Saturday. I was, you know, doing some shows in town or whatever. So I went back to the, to the club Sunday. It was the Orlando Improv. And I just went up to him just, just to say thank you. You know, I was like, dude, I was like, I had such an amazing experience. I was like, I would never forget this. And he goes, hey, man, you, you were really funny. And then he reaches into his pocket and he hands me a hundred bucks out of his own pocket. And I was like, that right there had such a huge impact. I mean, I was like fucking broke as shit at the time and might as well have been a million dollars he just handed me. And in my head, I'm like, man, if I ever reached any amount of success, I want to be like this guy, you know, just, he was just humble and sweet and fucking just, you know, and I, I was already a huge fan of him before I met him. And it was just like, you know, they say, don't meet people that you're fans of or whatever. I was like, so glad I did. It was just, right. he passed away six months later. And I was like, ugh, why him? You know, such a great guy. And all right. So um, now we'll transition to um, wh- what year were you at when you, you um, started the never ending tour? God, I was, uh, I was like 29 at the time. And uh, my, uh, my grandmother had passed away that year. So it just like, that was who I would stay with. Like when I, you know, would come back off the road. So it was like the year that I went, me and Ricky went cross country to go to LA. And then it was just like, so 
like I had enough clubs by this time I'd been doing comedy for God, like nine years at the time. Oh. And I'd already, I'd already, I'm already headlining places. I'm already like, I'm headlining Vegas. I'm headlining, you know, a lot of like really good rooms, you know, a few a rooms and um, like I had a really great roster of clubs. So like I could, I could literally work the entire country, different regions at the same time or at, at different times of the year. And uh, after she passed away, that's why I, that's why I called it the never ending tour because I no longer had a place to, to stay, you know? So I, I had to rely on like, you know, I, to this day, I still don't have an actual residence. I just, I just couch surf across the country or stay with friends and different people. And sometimes I sleep in my car like this past month. I, uh, and Rena, I slept in my car for like a week, you know, it's just, uh, it's rough out there, man. But you know, it's, you afraid? Uh, afraid. No, I was not afraid. Just uncomfortable, you know, but never, never afraid. I mean, I'm fucking, I'm six, I'm six, one, 200 pounds, you know, like mm. knock on my window. Then, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's almost one of those things where it's like, I wish somebody would knock on my window to, you know, like, <laughs> like right. I mean, um, like when you first started, like when you said you decided you were going to make the decision, like, was there any fears at all? Or would you oh, I mean, jump I, straight in? I think that was even more so after I stopped working my regular job and I was just doing straight up comedy, you know, like that's, I was like, so I'd already been living off of comedy even before I had the never ending tour idea. I was already living off of comedy for like five years you know that was my main amount of income and i and by that time i already knew like i already knew i'm funny you know like i know i know that i'm like i know i'm good like i you know i don't like looking at other comics and be like well i'm better than that guy or i'm better than that guy but i do look at them and i go well they're not better than me you know like i'm just mm -hmm. as good so that's like a motivating factor it's like if they can get a special i can get a special you know right like I'm very aware, I'm very grounded. Like I'm aware, like when I do good and when I do bad, and I know I do good way more than I do when I do bad. And when I do do bad, it makes me like I, I analyze it and I I accept it, and then I improve and I get better. You know, like I'm not mm -hmm. one of those people that's like delirious and you know fucking eat shit on stage and then go crushed it. You're like no asshole, I fucking hurt ice melting when you're on there. Like I know what I bomb, you know. And but, how how long have you been on this never ending tour now? There's eleven years with no actual home or residence, man. So I just do different regions of the country at different times of the year. You know, the tour basically works like this. Just, like, I started comedy, like I'm from DC originally. That's where I that's where I grew up. That's where I, mm -hmm. you know, consider home, you know. But uh, you know, Florida's like a second home because I started comedy there. So my mm -hmm. grandmother moved to after she retired and um so I, so this tour goes December through February, I'm in Florida. So I do pretty much the entire state. I crash with different friends and, and bounce around. And then soon as like March hits, I hit the Carolinas, start heading up North. And then by the end of March, I'm in like Pennsylvania and then Pittsburgh. And then um, April, I'm pretty much all in the Midwest. You know, I do like Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and then uh, late April, I start heading down you know, Missouri, Arkansas. Then May, I'm in Texas. June, I'm in the Southwest, like New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada. You know, do like Vegas. And then, and then, uh, and then July, I start hitting up the Northwest. Like I'm in um, 
you know, Oregon and uh, Washington doing shows up there. And then, uh, then I'll fly to the Bahamas for two weeks at some point in time in like late August. And then uh, September rolls around and I start heading out. That's where I'm right now. I'm in Colorado. I hit up like Colorado, try to get like two or three weeks out here. And then uh, October, I'm like back in the Midwest for about a month. Then November, I'm back on the East Coast doing like New Jersey, DC. And then I try to hit like the Carolinas again on my way back down south. And then December starts all over again, Florida, December to February. That's the tour. Oh, man. And what would you say, you know, the next five years, you know, what is your plan uh, with this tour? So, uh, like, in the recent years, you know, the internet is an amazing thing. So I just discovered uh, the Patreon whole thing. So I've got my Patreon going and, you know, I see how powerful it is. It's an amazing tool. You know, it's really great, like perfect for stand-up comics and other artists where to get that extra income. And so my idea is I want my Patreon, I want to get 100,000 subscribers to my Patreon. Everybody's subscribing for just $1. So that's $100,000. And then I do my never ending tour around the country like I've been doing for over a decade. But each month, I want to bring three awesome comedians to work the show with me. And there's no headliner. It's just we all split the time. So as an audience member, instead of seeing like a host who's only been doing comedy like two or three years and a feature who's only been doing comedy five or six years and a headliner who's been doing it like eight to ten or more, like you get four headliners, four crushers on one show. You know, it's a sub of questions like how do you how do you put together a killer show? Easy. Put all killers on the show. And after 20 years in this business, I, I know who the fucking killers are, you know? So each month we'll bring three different comedians and I'll pay each comic 25 grand for that month of work. Like after being in this business for this many years, it's like n- not all comics are trying to be Eddie Murphy or Dave Chappelle. We just want to work. We just want to pay our bills, you know? And as it's like one month, you'll be like, oh, fuck, I had a good month. I'll make three grand. Then the following month, you get like, all you got is like three one-nighters and all you're making is $400 for that entire fucking month, you know? Like my, my life is so stressful. Like I can't imagine how much more difficult it would be with kids. So like I want to help those. Like I, I just want to create something, you know, that that will really, you know, not going to change lives, but have an impact on, on a comics career, you know, like, right. like all, all comedians are, are, are just busting our asses and killing ourselves just trying to get a five minute spot on fucking Conan or the late show or whatever of watered down fucking material. And then they don't even remember your name the following week. You know, it's like, you know, so it, just, it doesn't have the same impact as it get. So it's like, I want to create something where it's like, as a comic, I'm like, Hey man, like you want to, you want to come on tour with me for a month? You know, and you get to work with other great comedians, their fans learn about you, your fans learn about them. You know, we all collaborate and we have a great time, a straight month of work. You don't have to worry about gas money. You don't have to worry about hotels. All you got to worry about is being funny. And then we, each city we're in, we can interact with fans, you know, and it's just like, and then at the end of the month, you get a nice fat 25 grand, you know, nut and you don't have to kill yourself the rest of the year, like working fucking <clears throat> casinos where they don't even turn the TVs off during the show. It's like, oh, if you're not enjoying my stand-up comedy, there's a fucking Red Wings game going on in the background. You know, it's just like, you don't have to worry and fucking do shows like that. You, and then, like, a happy comic is a creative comic. You know, we like, like I always told people, it's like, I've been driving around for the past 
fucking 11 years with no AC and a check engine light on. You know how fucking stressful that is driving through the desert, you know? Right. Like, it's like a metaphor for my life. Just that kind of, just that impend, like, you know, I don't, I, you know, we're all in the pursuit of happiness. For me, happiness is a life without anxiety and worry. I don't want to, I don't want to like worry about, you know, fucking like where my next paycheck is coming from. Like just recently, like this year has just been so miserable. It's just every time I wake up, it's an email for another canceled gig, you know, and it's just like, you know, and then when this, when this pandemic finally dies down, like I want to come out swinging, you know, I want to build this thing. You know, I want to, I want to like, like, you know, the way people are like, Oh, I've, I've done the tonight show. Like I want people to be like, Oh, have you done the never ending tour though? You know, it's just like, would you rather do five minutes on a late show and get paid maybe a thousand bucks? I don't know what it pays. Or would you rather get a month of work and get on a tour bus and, and tour around the country, like, like a Dave Chappelle or like a Chris Rock and have that experience where you like, and you get to share it with other comics, you know, and, and I'm not going to do this forever either. Like once I'm older and I'm finally done, I'm ready to retire. I'm going to pass the tour down. Just like the tonight show has a new host. Like, you know, the way I look at the never ending tour, I want that tour bus to be like a fucking pirate ship. And then I'm going to hand it down to a new comic, you know, and then they can have it, it like, it'll truly be the never ending tour. Cause I'll pass it on. You know, I went, I went, I went comics 30 years from now to be able to enjoy this. You know, when I'm, when I'm old and retired, like I want to create something that changes the entire landscape of comedy. I want to create something that gives comics something they want to strive to be on. Like, like yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that the, the tonight show is not great, but what about this? What about this idea? And if I was going to pitch this, you know, cause everybody that has a great idea, like you pitch it to a network, well, that's the thing. It was pitched to a network and network can cancel it. But that's a great thing about Patreon because it's directly funded by the people. There's nothing more powerful than the power of the people. Like as long as people are subscribing, this tour will never fucking end, you know? And it's just like, and then there will be a new captain. It'll be like uh, the Dread Pirates Roberts and the Princess Bride, you know? Like I'm not even the real Dread Pirate Roberts. The real Dread Pirate Roberts is fucking in the Bahamas, you know, retired, you know? That's, that's, that's my vision for it, you know? Like I just... I like, like, I know, I know what comics want. They just want to work, you know, they want to have something they can be proud of, especially if you're married with kids and you get like, you know, comics are a lot of times gone for a month straight anyway. And then they're busting their ass doing one nighters or whatever clubs. And, and on a good month, they might come back with $3,500 and that's still not that great, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But if you come back to your, to your spouse with 25 grand, and then like, you know, you feel, you feel like, you know, you can relax a little bit, spend more time with your family, not have to stress and worry about shit. Get that fucking check engine light fixed. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, well, um, I asked, asked everyone this at the end of the podcast, um, based off of, you know, you, you tell me your story. Um, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you learned? The biggest lesson that I've learned? Yeah. I would say um, that you know, I know it's like as comedy when you, especially when you first start out, like it, it's hard to compare yourself to people and be like, oh, this guy, this guy or this person's getting work and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's more like, you know, when you recognize talent in somebody else, you should want to like, you want to work with them, you know? And I think this is why my idea is so good because it's a collaboration. It's like, you know, like growing up, I watched shit like Ninja Turtles and fucking, you know, G.I. Joe and X-Men. It's just like people love a team up, man. You know, it's just like every, that's why I think every month I can like, I, you know, I can help out my fellow comedians, 
you know, instead of like feeling like I'm competing against them. You know, I want to feel like, hey, man, let's let's do this together. You know, let's get in these clubs that we've all been trying to get into because it's just like the tour itself is what's going to be powerful, you know, because like people, people, a lot of people just go out to shows, you know, come see me because they don't even know who I am or never heard of me, but they still have just as much fun as if they saw a bigger name. That's all they care. People just want to be entertained. So even right. if they don't know who's on that bus, they know whoever's on that bus is going to be good because they're on that fucking bus because the tour itself has a reputation, just like clubs themselves have reputations, you know, like side splitters. Yeah, they'll bring in big names sometimes, but also on some weekends, they have guys like me that you never heard of because I'm affordable and I'll do a great job and people have a great time. And uh, so that's what I think. I think it's just like learn more to to just like when you, when you see somebody somebody that's crushing it and makes you forget that you're a comedian yourself, like, you know, respect their talent and like want to like collaborate with them, get to know them, like make them on your team instead of feeling like you're competing with every single fucking comic out there. Cause you know, like the, we're lucky to all to be able to do this. And for the most part, I would say most of the comics I've met are pretty amazing, awesome people. And I, and like, I'm grateful for these relationships. I've met people on, you know, I think, I think of like what my life would be like if I never did stand up comedy and, the people I never would have met and how much different and unfulfilling my life probably would have been, you know? Mm -hmm. oh, well, um, you know, where can people find you at on social media? What social media platforms and what's your handles and stuff? Well, I'm a fucking idiot and I have different handles for different, every fucking different <laughs> fucking thing. So if you want to, if you want to find me on Twitter, you got to look up my Twitter is at PG, my initials, Patrick Garrity, PG road dog. And, uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's Garrity Grams with a Z, G-A-R-R-I-T-Y, G-R-A-M-Z. Um, like I said, I'm not a big selfie guy, so pretty much my entire Instagram is mostly people signing my car uh, after shows and stuff. That's like something I'm really proud of. Like I have, you know, you can't just be a comedian these days. You have to have a brand. So I think my mm -hmm. car is like, kind of like is my brand. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty much a real life representation of what hustle and hard work looks like. It hasn't been washed in four years. It looks like it's been through the apocalypse and it's just sucking, you know, it's, it's just, it's just awesome to look at. And then on Facebook, it's just my name, Patrick Garrity, uh, G-A-R-R-I-T-Y. You can find me on that. And I have my own podcast that I've been slacking on because there hasn't been much tour, you know, to do, but it's um, Road Glory, uh, uh, on um, you can find it on Spotify, Anchor, and all that good stuff. Oh, all right, Pat. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, dude, thanks for having me, bro. I miss you, man. Hope you're doing good out there, buddy. No doubt. You too. All right, homie. Later. <laughs>